Exercise and weight loss should get a divorce. This is the Begin Within podcast, where we believe real, lasting health and fitness requires you to start inside before you work out. I'm your host, Nate Slegger, and I'm here to show you behind the scenes of fitness. You already know exercise is good for you, but what about all the other things in life that affect your fitness? If you're looking for extra motivation to get started or to make sure you keep going, this is the place for you. Produced by BeginWithin.fit If you are working on getting healthier, losing weight, improving your fitness, whatever it is, but you have this feeling that you should be getting better results, you're just not sure what you might be doing wrong. Well, I want to tell you, you are not alone. And that is the very reason why I wrote my latest book, Five Ways You're Wrecking Your Weight Loss, so that you can take a look at five of the most common reasons I see that people aren't getting the results that they deserve for all their hard work. Just five really quick fixes that can get you headed toward the results that you want. Check it out. You can download it by going to beginwithin.fit, clicking on the ebook button, or clicking on the link in the show notes. Check out my book. Let me know what you think. My guest today is Dr. Adrian Udeem. She is a board-certified internist who specializes in medical weight loss and nutrition. Her mission is to change the weight loss culture to one that is actionable, compassionate, and empowering. She is a practicing medical doctor in Beverly Hills. She wrote a book, Hungry for More Stories, and science to inspire weight loss from the inside out. She is an educator, a keynote speaker, and she is also the founder of Dell Nutrition and the host of the Health Bite podcast. That is one busy woman, right? She is here today to talk with us about hunger and it's not what you think. Well, actually, I guess it is a little bit about <laughs> what you think, but it is so much more. So here are three things that I want you to listen for in this interview with Dr. Udeem. First, the word hunger. We're going to talk about it. Really understanding hunger physiological hunger, emotional hunger, what hunger is. And we are going to revisit the concept of hunger toward the end of the interview. So don't uh, switch off your um, <laughs> sensitivity to the word hunger after we finish talking about it in the beginning. Listen all the way to the end because we're going to wrap it up in such a beautiful way, a way that I promise is going to add so much meaning to your journeys into the kitchen. I'll leave it at that. So listen for hunger. Number two, 
Dr. Udeem loves the word empowerment. You're going to hear her use that over and over again. When you do, I want your ears to perk up. You're going to learn knowledge and shared experience. Help us to be empowered in this process. And that is certainly what we all need as so often the uh, journey of getting healthier, of losing weight is compared to a battle, a struggle, right? We all need to be empowered in this journey. And Dr. Udim today is going to share what it is that can help us with that. And then finally, listen for what she says about your environment and setting it up for success. I think that's such a valuable piece of our interview here. So listen for that. Here's my interview with Dr. Adrian Udeem. Exercise and weight loss should get a divorce because what is the number one reason that people engage in exercise? It's always weight loss, right? It's always about weight loss. And number one, every single study out there has shown that individuals who exercise while quote dieting or trying to lose weight don't really lose more weight through exercise. However, anyone who's tried to lose weight in the past, and I've had three kids and a history as a chubby one when I was young. So I know what it means to have to lose the weight and keep it off. It's one thing to lose it. It's a whole other can of worms to keep that weight off. And we know that when people exercise while they're losing weight, they're much more likely to lose fat mass and not muscle mass. People don't realize, I think, that you can lose muscle when you, quote, diet, which obviously is not what you want to do. You don't want to create a worse body composition. So it does become very important in in preserving the right body composition. And then it is one of the most important or the number one predictor to maintaining your weight. So it is really important. It's just that whether you get on the treadmill or not, it's not going to make the rate of weight loss any quicker. And that turns people off. Mm -hmm. Um, But what about all the other benefits? And I'm sure Nate, you talk about this with your patients all the time. There's so many. Did you try again? What? (laughs) We have editing. I mean, serious recording all that. Um, So all the other um, benefits. Oh yeah. So we're, so there's so many other benefits to weight loss. And for example, um, what's top of mind for people right now, cognitive health is so huge, right? Like we're talking about Alzheimer's disease, how dementia has increased so substantially. I have older parents. My father just got diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. He's in his eighties. This is something very near and dear to my heart. And when you hear the studies that show that exercising regularly maintains your cognitive health and reduces the risk of dementia, that's like the most fantastic multivitamin on the planet, right? Right. But in addition to that, it improves mood. It reduces the risk of heart disease, um, diabetes, breast cancer, colon cancer. I mean, the, the benefits are so tremendous. So I think people you know, we have a problem in this country in terms of getting people moving less than 10% are getting the adequate movement that they need. 
And I think it's all about managing expectations, right? When we have the wrong expectations for things, then we get disappointed and we're less likely to engage. So I tell people exercise and weight loss should get a divorce so that they have appropriate expectations and seek out activity for the right reasons. Got it. So they should get a divorce, work on themselves, and then get back together. <laughs> well, they can be, um, you know, they can, they can be, what's the word for it? Amicable. It can be an amicable divorce. <laughs> Got it. Okay, good. Um, I, I, so much of your work, I know just from looking deals, with, you deal with hunger, right? Um, I'm curious to talk a little bit about that, if that's okay. Um, in yeah. particular, the physiology behind like real physical hunger right. versus emotional emotional hunger is that yeah. that has been some of the things that our listeners have have resonated the most with is is our um episodes around emotional eating and you know bordering into what some people say oh i'm addicted to whatever so i'm curious to, to pick your brain a little bit on that if you don't mind physical Ooh, hunger thought- emotional hunger What's the difference? I got a lot to say about that. Go for it. So first of all, I think you're right. It is helpful for people to understand physiologic hunger, true cut and dry, like really I'm hungry for food. What is that all about? And our hunger is in large part determined by a whole host of hormones. For example, when we eat certain, when we eat nutrients and that food goes into our mouth, travels through our stomach, down into the intestine. Our stomach, our intestines are now sending off hormones that trigger the brain or notify the brain that we receive food. And therefore that hunger center can be shut off. So we turn on and off our hunger in response to nutrient intake. And that makes sense, right? Food should do that for us. But what's interesting is that There are studies have shown that when we are stressed, for example, that stress literally hijacks our hunger hormones such that a hunger ghrelin, for example, this is a hormone that our stomachs release and signal hunger to the brain. When we eat ghrelin levels drop, but if you're stressed, even if you ate adequately, ghrelin levels will go up signaling hunger to the brain. So it's, it's a very concrete way in which we can describe emotional hunger. It's not this like pithy thing where we imagine a little girl sitting in front of the TV after her boyfriend broke up with her eating Haagen-Dazs or Ben and Jerry's. We eat Ben and Jerry's now, not Haagen-Dazs all day. That's me. Right. But it's not that, I mean, it could be that, but it's very physiologic. And I think it's so important because the last two years has really been traumatic right? It has been really, whether you've suffered losses like loss in your personal health or loss in your family, or just loss like, I don't know, you didn't get to celebrate your anniversary the way you wanted to. Your kids didn't get to have the birthday parties that they wanted to. That may not feel as catastrophic as losing a family member, but it's still loss and it still impacts us, right? And And not surprisingly, people gained weight. So the American Psychological Association did a survey, showed that 42% of Americans mid-pandemic reported weight gain. It's probably more than that, right? And the average amount of weight 
was 29 pounds. That's a lot of weight, right? Right. So I say that because I think people feel so alone in their experience and they need to know, number one, there's physiology there. Number two, you are not alone in this experience. It is definitely a collective experience, right? But I don't want to leave people feeling defeated because at the end of the day, regardless of the circumstances, we are empowered when we have knowledge to be actionable. And so the things that you probably talk about, exercise, right? Um, Which is a backdoor to to weight loss. So we just talked about how it doesn't result in weight loss, but here's what it does do. It gives us a place to address our distress. It gives us an opportunity to get out of our head and into our bodies. And so when you are not soothing with food because you have worked it through with your body, right, then you're less likely to go to that thing, whether it's a cookie or a glass of wine or a cigarette or, you know, whatever the case may be. So exercise actually is like a spiritual (laughs) weight loss tool, right? Because it gives you something to do with that distress. Mm. Interesting. Wow. You did a great job bringing that back around. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, Can we talk a little bit? I want to talk about your book because we like one of the things I love to do here is share stories. And I know that's a big part of of that book. And we'll link in the show notes. Could you tell us a little bit about where this book came from and, and, you know, what you're most proud of when it comes to the the work? Of course. Yeah. So, so I told you I'm a physician and, um, was very much uh, proud of my white coat and was doing very white coaty things. Um, several years ago, over about a decade ago, I was the medical director at a well-known institution and feeling, you know, very white coaty. And so I was prescribing medications and evidence-based dietary plans, you know, but all the while as I'm dealing with patients, I can hear, I can feel that there's a different hunger, right? There's another hunger in the room. And to be honest, as a physician, at first, I felt like it wasn't my place to go there. You know, like people were expecting me to be the white coat, but it kept presenting itself. And not only did it present itself, but it presented itself in a way that I, I could see with the lens of 10 to 15 years of experience that the stories are the same. So I practice in Beverly Hills. I see producers and actors and CEOs and, you know, all the things. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you are a doctor, a stay-at-home mom, a student, a trainer, President Obama or Beyonce, (laughs) you have the same issues. And I know this because I've been talking to people and I've been seeing the issues. And I saw each and every hunger in myself. You know, when I reflect back on my own life, I may not have the exact scenario as the patient describing or sitting in front of me, but do I have hunger for self-compassion? Of course we all do. Do I have, or did I have hunger for autonomy, which led me to leave that super prestigious job and do things on my own? Absolutely. Do I have hunger for presence when there's all this stuff going on in the world and I worry and 
and try and deal with uncertainty. Yes, I know that I need to be in the moment and that's the only way that I'm going to get through. And so this book is a collection of stories of my patients, of myself, but then it also talks about the science behind it. Because again, when we have the knowledge, when we're empowered that we're not wackadoodles, but there's actually physiology behind our actions, then we can approach our issues or our whatever that X thing is from a place of um, self-compassion and empowerment. And that's really the message of the book. It's not to give people a pass, but it's to tell people that you can do it in a way that is empowering and yet it is self-compassionate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did, we did a little bit of work on self-compassion in a previous episode. And that was a huge piece of it was the shared experience, shared mm-hmm. humanity. You're not alone. And that, that alone gives you a basis for being compassionate to yourself. Mm, right. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. Right. Could now switch gears a little bit, because before we started, um, we talked a little bit about your supplement company yeah. and where that came from. I, w- I would love for you to share with, with us that, that story a little bit, if, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, because I do think that in order to, for us to be effective in our endeavors, um, we need to be mindful that there is a spiritual component, if that's what you want to call it, but we also need to be actionable, right? Like how can we, you know, when the, the tire hits the road, do things that are actually effective. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we were talking earlier a little bit about food, cooking, um and where and how difficult it is really to balance you know the desire to eat whole foods the desire to cook for ourselves which by the way is a form of self-care right um and also being practical recognizing that you know if you have three kids and three businesses you know like you're going to need practical uh tools and so i created a line of nutritional supplements called dell nutrition the flagship product is Dell Bar, which is a high protein, low calorie bar made with functional ingredients in order to support healthy weight, but also to support health. And you know this, Nate, we were talking about this earlier, that all of the, so many of these health products are fallacies, right? So like when I hear a patient who tells me I'm eating acai bowls all the time, I want to bash my head against the wall because there's like 92 grams of sugar in an acai bowl, right? So I created this for it to be an alternative um, that's based in, you know, science and also based in practicality. You know, like I said, I'm a working mother of three. And so being practical is super important. Um, And then a little bit about the name because um, people are like, Dell, what what is that? I was wondering Um, about it. And um, so my background is from the Middle East. My parents were, were or are from Iran and I speak Farsi fluently. And there's a word, the word del um, has kind of dual meanings as many of the words in that language does. It means stomach. It also means heart. Mm. And it has the spiritual quality of kind of heart and soul. And so I love the idea of how you feed yourself should be actionable, should be nutritious, should be functional. And yet we should feed ourselves 
heart and soul, right? It should be a, a, a meaningful experience. And so that was the word that really captured that perfectly. Yeah, no, it does. That's awesome. That is cool. Um, I'm curious from your perspective, with your experience, if someone is listening and they are feeling ready to make a change and mm-hmm. just gathering info at this point, but they're like, what should I do first? Dr. Mm-hmm. Yudim, what would you recommend as, as the best, best way for them to begin? In terms of weight loss, we're saying begin a weight loss. Yeah, let's, sure. yeah, let's do that. That's your, that's your area of expertise. Right yeah. Now, so, you know, there's, um, again, there's like two facets to this, right? Like there's the actionable piece and there's the, um, the spiritual piece, right? That I think you just have to kind of percolate with marinate. <laughs> I think when it comes to actionable, um, there's a couple of things I think about. Number one is really setting up an environment for success. We can, we can want to do things, but if the pantry is filled with the garbage we've been binging on for the last two years, then, then that habitual pattern is going to continue. If we haven't stocked our refrigerator with the right foods or meal prepped or planned our lunch until and waited until we're starving, chances are DoorDash, right? So, you, so really, if we're serious about making change, then we have to create an environment that supports that. And if we don't, not be surprised that we're not successful. It's not going to come out of the sky. Um, number two, you know, we always, when we decide something, when we're finally on board, we have big dreams, we have big hopes and aspirations, but nothing big happens like that. You know, our, our Amazon culture has done a number on us because I can haphazardly want a, um, mm, a you know, green tea uh, blending cup with whatever that little whiskey thing is called. I don't know what it's no. called. I did this yesterday. It like in a nanosecond, I'm like, oh, I should have a green tea whiskey thing. Boom. It's on my doorstep like that night. <laughs> right. So we think like everything in life should be like that. Oh, I want to lose 20 pounds. Why didn't it happen yesterday? And it just does not happen. This is like a, you know, uh, two steps forward, one step back process. And we have to be okay with that. Otherwise we're going to sabotage ourselves. So really understanding small steps when done consistently are impactful and result in big change. So two pounds per week, for example, people are like, two pounds per week. What's two pounds per week? Are you kidding me? Two pounds per week is eight pounds a month. It's 24 pounds in three months. It's 48 pounds in six months. I mean, that's a lot of weight should you choose to lose it. So consistency with small, impactful steps. Now the harder piece, because that's actionable, we can all do it. The harder piece is trying to really understand our hunger right? So you have this itch, you have this hunger and you get up and you walk into the kitchen and and you're like, uh, why am I here? (laughs) I just ate breakfast, (laughs) right? What is that hunger, right? Maybe you're bored because you've been sitting in front of Zoom all day. Maybe uh, you're not challenged in your current work. 
maybe you're hungry for connection because you've isolated yourself. And what you really need to do is pick up the phone and talk to somebody. Maybe you're hungry for connection with yourself and you need a timeout and some, you know, quiet. And so sometimes it occurs to us, most often it doesn't. And some of the hungers that I describe in the book really are very deep. And so I recommend a practice that gives you that time and space. For me, that practice is writing. I've been writing since I was six years old in a journal and that writing turned into the book Hungry for More. So whether it's, you know, writing, whether it's going for a walk, whether it's sitting under a tree, whether it's breathing, meditating, find that time for yourself, because that's really going to be critical to not only understanding your hunger, but also to know that the hunger evolves. So in the chap in the book, there's 40 chapters or something like that, 30, 40 chapters. And I talk about how throughout the course of my life, I've experienced every single one of those hungers, mm. right? And they all came together to give me meaning in what I do in my life every day. So allow yourself the knowing that, you know, we're not stagnant. Things change um, and evolve mm-hmm. if we're open to understanding it. Yeah. I like that. I like it because if I may, um, so often we talk about those other reasons that we're turning to food, like what we find ourselves in the kitchen for as almost like they're bad. Like you shouldn't be hungry when you're experiencing that, but you should be, it's okay. You just need to find how to fill it. Right. And the word you said, meaning like it adds, meaning to your life when you tune in yeah, and take care of it the right way. You're right. It's like a shame. It's a shame tool, right? Like we shame ourselves for our hungers, Mm -hmm. but if we were to take a different approach and really like lean into it and dial into what it's telling you, then you may have the aha moment of the century. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Dr. Adrian Udeem. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your work. Yeah, it was fun talking to you. Such a great interview. I want to thank Dr. Udeem once again for being here on the podcast with us. And as always, we have her links waiting for you in the show notes. In particular, you can go there to get access to her book, Hunger, Hungry for More. Stories and Science to Inspire Weight Loss from the Inside Out. So check that out as well. I will link to her site so that you could check out her nutrition line as well. And don't forget the Health Bite podcast. So um, follow her work. Get in touch with her. I think you agree. Her message is something, I mean, I, I feel like it fits so well here on the podcast, but it's something that we can all benefit from. You know, before the interview, I told you that what you're going to hear was going to add meaning to your trips into the kitchen. And I visualize that so often. I, I Because this is what I do, I find myself in the kitchen at times. And I know that, you know, according to my eating schedule or whatever, I know the meal that I just had, I I really shouldn't be physiologically hungry yet, but there I am. I'm in the kitchen. I'm looking for something. And so often 
like we talked about, it's like, oh, you know, shame on you, Nate. You sh- you're not really hungry. Get out of the kitchen. But I think the the thing that I'm going to keep with me from this interview, the, the thing that really is going to stay is the idea that it's not shameful to be hungry for something other than food. We find ourselves in the kitchen or we open the fridge. And a lot of times for me, it's those times where you're like, oh, I just can't find anything to eat, right? And I remember doing that as a kid. And yet there's food, right? We're surrounded by food. There's plenty of food. The situation is (laughs) when you're in that spot, I can't find anything to eat. I think the lesson I learned from, from this interview was when that happens, then the hunger isn't for food. And rather than just going, you know, for me, what I'll do is kind of, kind of, um, you know, storm out of the kitchen, like, oh, what am I doing? Right. And then go back to work or whatever. I think now I'm going to just ask myself, what, how can I fill the need that I have? What is the, the real hunger? that is there inside of me right now and how can I fill it? What step can I take right now to fill it? Because food isn't going to meet the need. It always starts with awareness, right? Understanding ourselves, um, kind of breaking up the the process so that it's not just automated, right? Oh, I need something, I'm gonna go get food. Need something, I'm gonna go, go, go get food. We need awareness so that we can begin to intercede in the process and find a healthier path to get the things that we need. So such a great message today. I I love this concept of having a better understanding of hunger. And of course, we've talked about that before here on the podcast. We've had so many uh, of our guests that are really experts in this area. Um, So once again, We have access to the message. The question is, what are we going to do with it? And then the last little thing I want to mention is just such a practical piece that Dr. Udeem mentioned, and that is setting our environment up for success. The reality is so often we want to do something, right? We want to make a change. We want a different life. We want to lose weight. We want to be healthier, whatever the case is, right? If we're serious about having those things, then we will change our environment. We know from from learning about habits, we've talked about that here too, so much of our habits has to do with the environment that we are in. So if we want to change the things that we're doing, the things that are kind of automated in our life, the habits, the way we interact with food, we have to give some attention to that environment, right? Otherwise, it's just a wish and nothing different is going to happen. So I want to invite you, along with having a better understanding of your hunger, and taking more effective steps to address the different forms of hunger that we all have and that we're all supposed to have, I want to invite you to take a look at the environment that you have in your home right now. 
what is there supporting you? What is there that's part of your environment that you know is not going to serve you in getting the things that you want when it comes to your health? I want to invite you to take one step. Just make one change, one permanent change to your environment that will set you up for success, that will increase the likelihood that you'll continue to move in the direction of the things that you want. We all have to give attention to it like our interview today reminded us. This journey is not a quick fix process. It is a two steps forward, one step back at best process. Which means we need to do everything we can to keep our momentum moving forward to set ourselves up for success, to set ourselves up for greater likelihood of success. We all need to do that. I'm going to invite you to take one small step forward today. I also want to invite you, if you haven't, please rate and review this podcast. You knew I was going to say it, right? If you've been here before, you knew I was going to say that. Please, whatever podcast player you're on, rate and review this show if possible. And what that is going to do is help other people to find it. You won't only be helping me to get this message out to more people, but you are going to be helping those individuals who are searching for answers, looking for um, ways to improve their health. They turn to their podcast player and they search. They're more likely to find us here if you please do your part and rate and review the show. That's enough from me. Thank you so much for being here with me this week here on the Begin Within podcast.